Hello and welcome to what is likely to be the first in a series of podcasts uh, for the Commune on Metroid Prime Federation Force. My name is Daniel and I'm joined by two other members of the Galactic Federation's elite unit, the Federation Force. (laughs) The first is Greg. Greg, can you please say your voice command? Uh, Good good paint job. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm thinking like the the pre-canned ones, like uh, Go 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 or... Uh, good job. <laughs> That's all I can think of of the uh, the one on the on the equipping screen. Oh, I didn't even job. know that. Okay, uh, and and how are you, Greg? I'm doing well. Okay, I have some mocha mint coffee. That's cool. Uh, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so the second member to introduce of the Federation Force is Adrian. Adrian, please say your voice command. Bien hecho. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that is either. Is that a type of coffee? <laughs> no. Is that in the Spanish? Uh... Yeah, I was speaking Spanish. Ah, okay. So before we get into Federation Force, I just thought I'd ask uh, the two of you what you've been playing recently. So, Greg, how about you go first? I've been playing F-Zero-X for the Commune and trying to clear the second loop of Gradius. And how are you finding those games? F-Zero-X, my progress comes in plateaus. Like, I beat the beginner difficulty on all the cups pretty easily and then went to standard and couldn't get anywhere. And then I realized, um, I don't remember actually what I had to learn, but (laughs) basically I was stuck there for a while. And then I remember Greg or yourself had to tell me something about how you control the ship. And then, oh, I feel so dumb. And then I just zoomed through all of standard. And then I had the same issue when I went to expert. And then I watched a YouTube video, and the guy was using the side bash instead of the side break move. Mm-hmm. So that when you make a turn, you can make a pretty tight turn by side bashing, and you don't lose nearly as much speed as when you use the side break. Mm-hmm. And once I learned that, then I did all of Expert pretty easily. Cool. Or not all. I'm, I'm still working on the Joker Cup, but I'm almost there. Cool. Is the Joker Cup the most difficult cup? Yeah, yeah. Cool. And Adrian, what have you been playing recently? Well, I've been playing quite a few games. As you know, I have been playing Twilight Princess. Prior to that, well, I've also been playing F-Zero-X along with Greg, although my progress has been a bit more smooth. But that's also because um, I stumbled upon the side shift much earlier, which was why um, my main turning point was actually just adjusting the stats for the ship so that I have a higher top speed, and that allowed me to breeze through standard. Oh, you know what? That I think that was what happened for me, too, that I went through beginning on the middle of the road setting. Yeah. And then when I got to standard, I started shifting over towards top speed. Yeah, because they just blaze right past you and it's like I'm not, I don't even see him boosting and then it's like I can't keep up well, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can I'm trying to go through these tracks without ever hitting a wall but I just never catch up so yeah top speed kind of a big deal even if you have a boost you need good top speed because the AI pretty much have it at the highest setting hmm. so besides F0X I did go back into Battletoads because uh, Daniel was playing it <laughs> so <laughs> I took another shot at it, and I got up to, I believe, whichever one Surf City's on. Oh, sorry, which city? Surf City. 
Is that the one on the river? Yeah, where he's like skipping. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, I think yeah, that's like that the fourth level. That's after the frozen cabin. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, God, that one took so fucking long. Yeah, because I actually so, just stopped the game right there. I didn't even finish Surf City, not because it was too hard, but just because I was so tired after that, the third level. So were you able to get up to Surf City on one stretch? Yes. Well done. That's that's really good. Cool. Uh, you know me. Yes. And I still have not returned to the lurking horror. What about you, Dave? Cool. Me? Oh, um, I haven't been playing too much. I started a WiiWare title called, I think it's Nix Nikes, the, um, what is it called? That was like a launch era game that everybody really liked. I think it eventually came out on PC too. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, it's Nikes, Nix Kindred Spirit. So yeah, as you said, Greg, it came out near the start of the WiiWare service. It's like a platforming game where you can also use your motion control to move objects around with a pointer. And so coordinate the movement with the control stick as well as, you know, movement of objects in the environment with the uh, pointer. And, uh, yeah, it's quite clever so far. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Nice. So just to give a bit of context, the three of us have recently completed a uh, Federation Force together. We worked through the campaign mode in both normal and hard difficulties. We got all of the medals. And we've also logged uh, several hours each in the Blast Ball side. So I'm at 100%. I put in a lot of time into Blast Ball just to bring my percentage right up to 100. How close are you guys to the big one double zero? I believe I'm 97. I believe I'm actually 98. I have four achievements left in a Blast Ball. Yeah, all of mine are from Blast Ball too. So I think it would be fair to say that each of us have invested about 70 to 80 hours into the game. Is that right? Yep. Let me see. Isn't it more like 60? I wouldn't look mine up. Definitely over 50. I think it was 55 to get through um, the hard mode. In any case, we've all put in quite a considerable amount of time into Federation Force. So I think we've got a lot to say about it. I wanted to start off and have a look at the game's core mechanics or the core functions in the game, the core abilities that the player can execute. So really, we're talking about shooting, aiming, and moving. Federation Force is a little bit different from other first-person shooter games. I'm interested in, just for this first podcast, in exploring how it's different and what effect the mechanics design has on the gameplay overall. And according to Adrian, he's played... 61 hours and 55 minutes how did i get an extra like nine or ten hours over <laughs> maybe i did play like a little blast ball <laughs> in any case the first question i want to throw out is in regards to shooting because it's a first person shooter how is shooting similar slash different to the shooting in other first person shooter games adrian so for one federation force actually has bullets physically coming out and traveling through space. I don't know how common hitscan actually is, but it is prevalent in a lot of first-person shooters to where all you have to do is line up the shot and that's it. You're guaranteed to hit. In Federation Force, it's very easy to run into a situation where even if you have the shot lined up, if the enemy moves as the shot travels through space, you can still miss. So that's one aspect to where shooting is very different than other FPS, FPS games. 
more of a necessity to line up your shots in order to hit moving targets. Greg, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Shooting is different from other uh, first-person shooters, uh, but more similar to uh, Metroid Prime in that you can charge and you have different levels of charge with different functions. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I actually, you, know, you left an interesting note about how it rolls three different types of guns uh, into one charge mechanic. Yeah, that's right. So what I said was the mechanic in Federation Force is like a charge shot. So you can tap the button to do rapid fire hits, and then you can also uh, charge to do a powerful shot. And you can also, you know, like half charge or you know, three quarter charge. And it sort of it runs on a spectrum. And my argument was that being able to charge your shots it incorporates rapid fire, a mid power shot, and also like a heavy shot as well. So it pretty much captures the, I guess you'd say, like a pistol or a UZ, captures a shotgun, and it captures like a rocket launcher as well, uh, all in the one weapon. And in this way, it allows for a lot more control of the power of the shot. At the same time, you've only got the one weapon, so there's sort of less complexity within the shooting mechanics. And I think it sort of streamlines a lot of the game because you've only got the one weapon. Well, you actually do have other types of weapons, but I won't go into that now. But with your main weapon, because it rolls you know, several weapons into one, you don't have to like carry around inventory. There's no ammo as well. And so it sort of removes and streamlines some of the conventional elements of first-person shooter games. Yeah, and so it's really neat because it's just, you know, it's very simple, straightforward. It's very intuitive. The player has a lot of direct control over what they're doing. And so it's quite neat like that. So because your charge shot is a charge mechanic, and charging takes time to build up, and the, and the longer that you charge, the more powerful your shot. Therefore, you have... Um, that's the element that makes it similar to shotguns, to uh, to shotguns, to pistols, and to rocket launchers. Right, pistols typically have a short loading animation and a short shooting animation, and they're like the uncharged shots. Whereas charging up a fully charged shot takes quite a long time, and it's kind of like that laborious animation of sliding a rocket in and then launching it off. And reloading. Yeah. Yeah, so to build off of what you're saying, Greg, it's that. So there's the the shooting animation itself, like when you fire a rocket, then you recoil back, and you know there's a bit of animation there. And also, you know, when you're reloading, like it often takes a while to reload a rocket as well. And all of that is just symbolized naturally with the um, with the charge shots and, and the natural time it takes to charge. And that's so that's an important part of both game feel and game balance, so that you're not spamming stuff. And the other point is that, of course, there is a cooldown on the charge shot. So you're charging up, and then your hand cannon starts, you know, changing. So it changes its appearance as you're doing that, which is really cool, like a really cool form of feedback, which reinforces you know, how much charge you get. But once you release it, it is raised vertically a bit, and then it falls back down. Whereas if you do rapid shots or semi-charge semi shots, there's no actual recoil so if you do a like a rapid fire shot i think there is slightly yeah so basically yeah okay so it would seem that the more you charge 
the more there is a delay afterwards as well. So there's two elements of commitment, I guess you could say. There's actually a there's a mod for that for uh, on special weapons too, so that you get less recoil when you shoot missiles. Uh huh. Yep. So there's two parts. So there's your charging, and then there's the recoil, and those two things together uh, add trade-offs to your shooting, which is the element that means that it rolls all those uh, that the charge shot rolls all of those three other typical FPS weapons into the one shot. Yeah, and that mod's really cool. It's interesting how, because the spatial and timing dynamics are, ri- like, are so rich that they can just add in a mod that reduces the impact of your recoil or the, what is it, the mod from Blast Bowl. The hyper mode mod where you can charge without reducing your movement speed. Exactly, yeah. So, so they're really cool too. Those mods really play into the existing strong spatial and timing dynamics. Yeah. Another thing is that um, one of the ways that the game encourages the use of your charge shot and the various levels of charge shot is the fact that enemies' health are tuned around those values. Because the basic pepper spray, that's about, that does like 5 damage. Then your first level charge shot does about I think 25, your second level does 50, and then a fully charged shot does 100, not including any bonus points you do for you know getting a headshot or anything like that. So the game has its own way of sort of discouraging you from just running up to all enemies like as close as possible so you don't have to aim as much and then just pepper spraying them to death. The game has its own ways of challenging you to use the charge shot more, use the aiming more. So even if you do get a play style that's more that force that you get up and personal more often, you still have to deal with, you know, the drawbacks of the charge shot to where it encourages you to use the side set more when dealing with enemies and how they counterattack. Even with the pepper spray, if it because the pepper spray, it doesn't inflict hit stun. So enemies are still going to move around and try to attack you as you're shooting at them, which means you gotta get out of the way. Yeah. And there's many instances throughout throughout the game where that's it's it was never that simple to begin with. There there are bosses that are hard requirements for you to use the gyro, which is aiming, not locking on. Lock on, you cannot beat this game only using the lock on. There are certain bosses that make that so. Very true. As we were saying before, I guess some people just spend a long time playing on a or you know, scraping the bottom of the skill floor instead of just like figuring out what the you know, what many elements of the game were pushing them to do. Are there different things you can do with shooting in this game, or is it just hurting guys? Yeah. All so right. well, shooting balls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So actually, just to rephrase that a bit, Greg. So you know, in your regular first-person shooter game, you know, you just shoot to kill. Like pretty much all you do is shoot. You know, in some games, like uh, for example, in Resident Evil Four, you've got you know shooting as a way of um, you know getting optional rewards. You know, by killing the crows, by shooting the little dangling um, necklaces or the like, like the blue jewels. Uh, you've got you know shooting to create an explosion by shooting a barrel. You've got you know shooting obviously to kill enemies, shooting to uh, remove locks off doors. Um, so you know, in that game, shooting has a variety of different functions, and. This is similar to Federation Force, and, and you know, I know, Adrian, you're very keen to talk about one of your favorite examples, so uh, I'll leave you to do that. Yeah. 
So besides just shooting just to even open the doors, I also have shooting to blow up walls, and probably our favorite is shooting balls. <laughs> what do you mean by balls? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean the little spheres that come out in the ruins level. There's also the spherical bombs in the ancient skiff level. Those are the two main ones I can think of, but also shooting Samus, which is in more fall mode. Yeah, so there's particular missions where you have to fire at these spheres to push them around the level, and they act as keys to locks. And part of the challenge is... Um, actually, how about you explain exactly how you target the ball to move it around, Adrian? Because I know that when we play the... Was it the second mission? You're very good at, at doing that. Yeah, so the second mission is really good in actually teaching you something fundamental for Blast Ball, which is learning how to aim low and to actually shoot the ball and make it jump into the air, similar to what you do in pool. You sort of aim to the lower end of the ball to actually make it do a jump shot or a bank shot or whatever you call it. it it's also helpful for um, timing your shots in order to actually get the ball to roll around or to roll around at the speed that you need it to. Particularly those narrow oh, spots where you want to avoid having it pushed off those pillars or on that narrow catwalk. I know one of them has that too. And it's also used in Blast Ball, of course, as the main interaction within that game. You know, it's like a game of soccer where the ball is like the soccer ball, but you shoot the ball to move it around and you've got two teams of three trying to push the ball into their goal. Yeah, and there's a whole other discussion we can get into what our strategies are for Blast Ball and how to play better at that game, but for another podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. What are the other functions, though? There are certainly other functions. Uh, I know that a nuance of shooting that plays into that is its own functional gameplay is when you charge your shot, you also suck in. Your cannon acts as like a yeah. vacuum. Greg, do you want to talk a bit about that? So in the world, you can open up crates to collect different items, and these will be uh, like healing tanks or missiles or one of the special items that you can equip at the beginning of the match. And um, when you use your charge shot, you'll suck them in like you would suck in pickups in Metroid Prime. Mm. And can we think of any other functions that shooting has? I mean, so opening doors as well, um, and there are several ways to open doors as well, of course. You know, you've got, like, the conventional doors that you just shoot, and then you've got other ones where, you know, two or three of us have to, you know, shoot at it to unlock it as well. Yeah. So... And then the ones where you have to shoot the key missile at it. And you do actually I, have to shoot shoot at it. It doesn't automatically fly to it, because I remember learning it the hard way that, you know, you can't just shoot that off into nowhere because it does break the key. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. I think... Beyond what we've discussed so far in regards to shooting, there are also elemental attacks, fire, electricity, and ice. But I think I think we'll leave that for now, and we'll discuss it uh, when we get to talking about mods and buffs, uh, sorry, and loadouts. Aiming, Greg, you wanted to say a few things about um, aiming how it's similar slash different to other first-person shooter games. Yeah, in some ways it's similar to other first-person shooter games in that you have the pre-aim versus aim down the sights set up 
where when you're not locked on to anything, you can just walk around and look at anything, and you can use the R button to adjust your aim uh, the same way you would use the second analog stick in another first-person shooter. And then looking down the sights of the barrel, you obviously can aim a lot more precisely. Mm. But unlike a lot of other first-person shooters, you have a lock-on, which makes aiming trivial, and that it guarantees that you're you will be pointed at the enemy that you want to hit. And instead, the challenge is to time your hit so that the enemy doesn't dodge it. Or your challenge is to adjust your aim using the gyro so that you hit a particular part of the thing that you're locked onto. Mm -hmm. So there's an interesting um, precision challenge there where it's not about hitting the thing itself, it's about hitting a small speck on it. You're hitting the weak point. So not just shooting at an enemy, but you can actually kill enemies faster if you specifically target their weak point with a gyro. Just to step back for a bit, so we've got one type of aiming, which is just you move, uh, you aim by physically moving your body, and where you fight is directly in front of you. We've got a second type of aiming where you hold the R button, and you can actually hold the R button and move at the same time as well. And you've got the third type of aiming, which would be locking on, to an enemy, and that does affect movement options, which we'll talk about in a sec. And then you've got locking on and then using the gyro at the same time. Yeah, so really, it's just you've got, you've really got two types. You've got lock on and no lock on, and you can use gyro for both. I think that's an easier way to explain it. Um, so far, thoughts is that one, using the gyro already sets it apart from most other first-person shooters, which traditionally have you using the analog stick or the mouse. Mouse is good, but obviously I prefer, when it comes to analog sticks, I prefer the gyro over an analog stick because I have so much more control over aiming this because I have the entire range of my wrist in order to aim versus using the analog stick where you have, like, what, it can only tilt 45 degrees and then you have to do it with your thumb. It doesn't need to take advantage of the full range of motion of your thumb either, so usually aiming with an analog stick is much more restricted compared to using the gyro. So that's why I like this a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm going to step back again. So the difference between the lock-on and the regular, let's let's say free view and lock-on. The difference between free view and lock-on is that when you lock-on and you hold R to use the gyro, you moving the gyro will actually move your point of view. So you'll look up and down based on how you're moving the gyro. When you're in the lock-on view, Using the gyro, it moves your cursor and where you, you know, obviously where you shoot, but your viewpoint is still locked on to the target that you're aiming at. Also, to extend on what you're saying, Adrian, I think a similar game to Federation Force in terms of um, its controls is the Uncharted Golden Abyss for the PlayStation Vita, where they also incorporate some motion control in the aiming. And I remember watching a talk. Uh, about how they were implementing aiming and what they said is that basically they use the gyro as a auto correction like a slight like you're not using the gyro to shift your viewpoint and to make radical macro levels sort of aiming right and i think when we played this game we didn't really use the gyro much without lock on like we didn't use it in free view where we actually use the gyro to change our point of view unless we were aiming for something that like an enemy that was out of our lock-on range or something like that. But most of the time, you know, we would use the lock-on and the gyro. And I think the gyro is the fine-tuning. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good way to put it. Because one of the key things that allows that to work so well is the fact that your default movement controls are also not standard to most shooters. In other words, left and right doesn't actually make you strafe left and right. It turns you left and right. And that is what makes the gyro work more. Because if it was like gyro by default and it didn't have a button for when you wanted to use it, it would be far more cumbersome just to simply turn around. Because you have to twist it so much in order to actually get it to do a 180. But with the way it's set up now, all you have to do is just hold right in on the circle pad. And you can just do that instead. Lock-on is also especially helpful with the gyro aiming so that you can make those slight adjustments without it quickly moving off the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to talk a bit more about the gyro. A lot of people, you know, when they look at the whole Metroid Prime series, except Hunters, you know, they'd say, well, it's not really a, like a real F, you know, like a quote-unquote real FPS, you know, because you, know, you can lock on. And if you can lock on, then you can just, you know, shoot at enemies and, you know, get rid of them. It doesn't really take any skill. And then, you know, people, you know, defenders of Metroid games would say, well, it's actually not really about shooting. It's about adventure and exploration. And that's kind of true as well. But Federation Force is a bit different than the main Prime games in that it really it stresses shooting a little bit more. Greg actually did cover this earlier, and Daniel, I think you did too, about how the lock-on does have an effect on the enemy design, and both Federation and the Prime games do this, where it's more emphasizing the timing of your shots and how the enemies move because your bullets have to actually travel through space. More timing your shots, more, I guess you could say, tactical to where you pay attention to their movements more versus other shooters where it's like, oh, they're all my cursor, bam, I hit them. So what you're saying is that because your bullets are slower, then you have to be more precise with your shots, or at least have better leading with your shots, and that the yeah. that the lock-on perspective helps to scaffold the player so that the challenge isn't so difficult, right? Is that what you right. mean, or...? A little bit of that. So part of that has more to do with the fact that the bullets aren't super fast like in other games, which, you know, lock-on doesn't really have to do anything with that, but... Um... It's true that lock-on does make it less about aiming it for the Prime games. I'm speaking specifically for the Prime games, but it doesn't make it so that shooting is trivial because the enemies are designed differently to where emphasize more the timing of the shots rather than the aiming of the shots. Right, the balance has been shifted. I think you have to view both in context of each other because it's all about balancing the shooting in general. Now, as for, like, shooting gameplay, like, in general, I would say, yeah, the Federation Force absolutely leans more towards um, shooting and combat more so than the Prime games where there was that careful balance between, you know, exploring and adventuring along with, you know, shooting and platforming. The point of distinction, then, really is the scan visor and the role that the scan visor plays in the gameplay challenge is that you could say that the gyro aiming is the chunk of the game design that shifts the focus more towards the combat and the aiming, as you're saying, as opposed to the gathering intelligence about the world. If I understand you correctly, the comparison is that in Metroid Prime, you would spend some of your time in shooting mode and some of your time in scanning mode, whereas in Federation Force, you're spending all of your time in shooting mode, but you have different shooting modes, so that's where you get your complexity from. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. I would also say that um, with um, Metroid Prime, as we established, the lock-on kind of takes out aiming. Although technically you can still free aim in Metroid Prime, but you have to be stationary to do it. And I think they're 
Might, mm. There are actually certain points in the games where it does encourage that. The simplest one I can think of are the screes, where they they usually fly in a pack and they're too fast to actually shoot at them. So you typically want to use free aim for those. Of course, excluding Metroid Prime Three, a Federation Force by virtue of the gyro does actually put aiming more uh, as a core part of the shooting. So in addition to time your, your shots to hit the enemy, you know, so that they don't move out of the way, you also have aiming as well. Whether to hit them as they're moving or to hit their specific weak points. How do you think the enemies are then designed around the shift in the emphasis of the combat gameplay? Well, the first and I think most obvious point is that they have those weak spots. Like, the main pirates will have shoulder pads that, if you hit, will do double damage. Mm. So... They have little weak spots that encourage you to use your gyro to refine your aim. The Zerberats mm. are another example of an enemy that circle around the player because they're kind of like wolves. And their default strafing speed is actually too fast that if you just use lock-on, you're just always going to be missing until they turn around and basically walk into your shot. So the best way to deal with the Zerberats as they're trying to circle around you is actually to g- use gyro aim ahead of where they're going to be, and then blast away at them. There are a few other enemies like that. The Screes that fly off, uh, those are another enemy that you, because of the way they're sort of diving at you, just that little bit of where they're angled downward is enough for them to sink under your shot. So that's another example of wanting to use it, gyro aiming. Those uh, roly-polies, the hedgehogs, are another example of when you want to use it, especially when they're trying to dig in the ground, so you want to aim lower. And especially the Brutes. Because, you know, they have these gleam, gleam, green glowing parts of their bodies on their legs, their back, their face, and their shoulders, that you, and even their belly that you want to shoot at in order to kill them. Mm. I think the roly-polies are Gryptrixes. Uh, I can't remember their name. I'm going to keep calling them roly-polies. Oh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I, the Ice Titans, their jeweled arms, those are also weak points that you want to use the gyro to aim at instead of their main body. I think a number of the bosses also emphasize the use of gyro, and I think that there is, particularly in the second half of the game, in the final few missions, a number of the bosses also, um, gyro, um, actually is one of my favorites, is, oh, I'm not sure what it's called now, you guys might know, it's the central core, and it's got the vertical stack of boxes that open and close. Right. Yeah, that box boss. Yeah. Box Boy cameo. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got a circular arena with a sort of outer bridge uh, and then a gap. And then you've got this core in the middle. And the core has four sides and these sort of boxes fall in and they will open up. And you have to use a gyro to aim up and down on the boxes because not all of them open up at the same time. The joke is that there's one point in the center where you're locked onto and you won't lock on to necessarily any of the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Like, if you don't use the gyro, then you're just blasting away at a box that may not be open. So, yeah, I feel like for those people who say, oh, well, it's got, you know, it's just lock on, it's easy. I mean, yeah, I think for the three of us, we all, for uh, on normal mode, for the, just, just the main campaign on normal mode, I think that we all relied heavily on aiming. And so near the end, we got into gyro, but I think... Once you get the hard mode, we were using gyro a lot, and you really need to use gyro to, you know, get rid of enemies you know, more quickly. It's just so much more effective. It's sort of like there's inbuilt scalability within the aiming, where 
anyone can just aim and shoot and eventually work their way through. But if you use the gyro, then it's a totally different game. It's much more difficult. It's much more challenging. And you know, watching some of the video reviews online, <laughs> it's really disheartening to see so many people just lock on and then they'd say, like, for every bit of video, they're just locking on. There's no gyro use. And it's like, and then they just complain that the aiming's really easy. Yeah, the game has a mix of, uh, I guess, hard and soft requirements where I think Adrian mentioned that the first hard requirement for gyro aim was launching the balls in Mission 2, how you'll lock onto the post containing a ball, but to set it off, you'll have to actually gyro aim up a little. So, you know, there's soft requirements in every level in that you can use gyro to aim more precisely at an enemy. But every now and then they'll throw a hard requirement in there too, just so that you remember that the R button exists and uh, get you gradually more acclimated to using that gyro. I would say that's one of the underlying difficulty curves in the game is learning that control mechanism. Mm. Yeah, I think you put it really well, Greg, when you say that they'll just kind of sprinkle it in here and there. Oh, yeah, don't forget the gyro, don't forget the gyro. Actually, on the... I think the best use of gyro is blast ball. You know, just by locking on, like you, you know, so many people online, they just kind of lock on and shoot, 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 and they have to strafe and move around just to get into a position where they can you know, move the ball where they want to. But if you've got, you know, if you're using the gyro and you're, and you're leading your shots, then it's, you know, it's much easier to aim. That's how you get that pool style control with the ball when you use gyro to aim at specific parts on it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I'm the curve I suspect, shots in there. Yeah, yeah, like curve shots, yep. And I suspect, <laughs> I think that's why they put Blast Ball out early. You know, because Blast Ball came out a few months before Federation Force was released. Maybe they put it in there to just get people to realize how to play the game properly. Like, how to play, like, to prepare players to play Federation Force, the campaign, properly. <laughs> Do you think it worked? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but I I could also see the argument being made, or actually even a stronger argument for how Federation Force is really just training for Blast Ball. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Right? That's, that's pretty much what you do with the final boss of the game. Yeah. And uh, Samus is probably... The final boss is a Blast Ball. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think the sphere challenges in Federation Force are oddly strict, like in that first level, and like the ball physics are just hard, so... It did feel a little weird and out of place, but then in the context of Blast Ball being a mode, like, kind of felt okay. <laughs> no, I, I could see your point about how, um, yeah, the, the, the balls are small and not exactly what you play with in Blast Ball. Whereas, like, Variety in another mission would just be, like, pushing a cart, and that's not hard to do at all. It's hard to... Do it in the mission because of how the, you know, you have to time how you push the cart through past storms and stuff like that. But it's not the actual activity of pushing the cart that's hard. Right. Mm. Whereas the ball physics themselves, like <laughs> that is kind of hard. And they put it yeah. and they put it like really early in the game in just the second level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think we'll have a few things to say about the um, both the variation and also the way the levels are, well, the missions are organized. There's a lot to talk about there. Future podcasts, future podcasts. I just wanted to add as well that the timing element, 
how when you shoot and your bullet moves through space and therefore it takes time to reach its opponent. So timing skills are a really important factor when shooting. That plus gyro is such a rich, fertile ground. Like even, you know, even when we were, you know, near the end of the hard mode campaign, like, you know, I just think of like that first, uh, like the first room with all the space pirates in the final mission of hard mode and, you know, just really getting into, you know, that aspect of the game. But those two things, the timing and the gyro, there's just, it's so rich and engaging. That's probably my favorite bit about the game is engaging with that gooey center. The fact that the bullets have to travel through space and you can miss the target movement, that in itself is another way the game encourages you to use the gyro. So, you know, you can lead, manually lead your shots instead of, you know, lock on. Were there any other comments on shooting or aiming before we move on to uh, movement speed? I think the bonus damage points you get off of headshots is another way that the game encourages the use of arrow. Particularly yeah. when you um, when you put that with some of the point requirements. <laughs> yeah, as we know from you know some of the missions where we like we just had to get better at shooting. Like we just had to use better gyro. So. Better gyro equals more headshots. So headshots are points. So anytime you shoot an enemy, you get points based on where you hit them. And so if you take a, you know, if you do a like a regular pew pew shot, you you know you get so many points. If you do a charge shot to the body, then you get more points. If you do a regular shot to the head, then you get so many points. If you do a charge shot to a weak point, like the head or the shoulder, and you have to use right. a gyro aim for that, then you get max points. And so, because some of those requirements, right, Adrian, you know, some of those uh, point requirements and also time requirements, you know, they really push you to um, to get better at your gyro. Yep. Sorry, did I just steal it? <laughs> I kind of feel like I stole your point. <laughs> oh, no, uh, you didn't. It was just an assist. Yeah. I need more of those so I can get 100% in Blast Ball, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, assist. We'll talk about that later on. I have a good tip for that. Okay, well, let's talk a bit about how your movement options change when you're in lock-on compared to free view. So when you're in free view... You know, you press forward on the stick to walk forward, back on the stick on to walk back, and left and right turn your view. If you want to actually strafe, you have to hold on to the L button when there's no enemies in sight. That'll just lock your position. So if there's no enemies in sight, then your lock on just locks your position to the front, and you can still strafe left and right. When you're locked on, it's a little bit different. You circle strafe. Yes. Are there any games that are similar? You know, that have a similar sort of lock on, Greg, in terms of how locking on changes your maneuverability? Mega Man Legends. Wow, I did not know that. Or sorry, sorry. In the first Mega Man Legends, locking on makes you stationary. In the second one, you can lock on to something and then walk freely around it. Yeah, lock on for um, shooters is fairly uncommon. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't is is there a lock on in Ratchet and Clank? Yeah, there is. There is a lock on in Ratchet and Clank. Oh my god, Greg, you didn't say it. Oh. Uh, someone told me that Zelda also was like this. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I have to. I, right. So yeah, there there is um a little bit. It's not really a circle strafe. If actually, if you want circle strafe, you're more looking at demon souls. But Zelda, there's only specific moments when your movement will actually circle strafe, and that's usually when you're trying to move behind them because the camera actually try, tries to want to orient you into a better viewing angle. But for the most part, it's actually relative duty. That is, if you move left, Link moves left. If you move right, Link moves right. It usually stays that way. Very rarely will he circle around it. It's only when you move up and you move past them, then Link will start to circle the enemy. Otherwise, it's mostly relative duty. If you hold the L button when there's no enemies near, that is, you know, you lock your orientation, yep. nothing happens. It's only when there's an enemy that, yeah, the camera does move a little bit forward and zoom in a bit. It's not quite as much as you would normally see in a game when you go down the iron sights. It's not quite it's as much. It's actually very slight, I'd say. It's quite slight. Yeah, that's that's a better way to put it. It's very slight. I mean, we almost forgot about it, didn't we? Like, we were talking about it earlier on, and we, we weren't really sure. So, yeah, <laughs> so it is slight. I, I had to pull out the game just, just to be sure of the fact that the camera really, if the camera actually does change when you do that, because I was pretty certain that the camera's mostly stays the same for the entire game. We've talked about the different ways that you can maneuver your mech in the game, but there are a few things we haven't talked about. Let's talk about movement speed. It's certainly slower than other first-person shooter games. Why? If you look at Doom or Quake or any of those old-timey first-person shooters, they're all about zooming as fast as possible, whereas um, Federation Force is like the total opposite, where... You feel really sluggy and sluggish and tanky. Yeah, I feel like it's the same speed as the Metroid Prime games, where Samus isn't moving at a dashing speed, and there's no dash button either, by the way. Well, there is. There, I mean, there's a a side dodge. Yes, yeah, right. Which actually leads us to the point where we would, <laughs> you know, we would turn to the side and then we would strafe our way ahead just to move forward faster. Yeah. Yeah. Federation Force makes a lot of use of its 3D space. So I think it's a another matter of balance there in that moving through the space slowly gets you to appreciate the full range of the environment and your slow moving speed helps you to cope with enemies that can come from all angles. Well, yeah. And it also gets you to, like, it means that your, it means as well that your viewpoint isn't so sporadic. It means that you're, uh, you're and therefore you're able to, see the bullets moving through the screen and read and respond to bullets, which is possible in this game. Like there's that interplay where you see a bullet coming and if you are fast enough, you can dodge it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not, uh, oh, I saw a bullet coming at me, but because I move so freaking fast, I can just react to the last minute and step out of the way. It's, no, you need to have some good reaction and move out of the way quickly. Not only that, but it also gives you time to because enemies themselves also shoot projectiles that you can move out of the way of, it helps that there's still enough time for you to judge where they're going and be able to step out of the way. And that's what you do have that dodge move for, that once you recognize you need to move out of the way, it's not like you have to plan ahead that far. Yeah, for the ones that are actually you know fast at your default speed isn't, um, like the roly-polies, that's when the side dodge becomes especially useful for when you need that quick, fast burst of movement. But of course, it's not holding down a dash button so you can strafe at high speeds. It's a time this dash properly so that you can move out of the way because the roly-polies, I believe, can still adjust themselves or just that little bit of a pause 
after you do a dash is enough to keep you still enough for them to hit you. Yeah, I mean, because the bullets move slowly through space and space and time are, you know, are therefore central elements of this game. Yeah, as you're saying, Adrian, even that slight pause at the end plays into the strategy. It's sort of like, you know, so I do, you know, I do some dancing in my free time, some tango. And, you know, when you get better at tango, you learn to break down steps into smaller chunks and that even applies here to the you know, to the movement you know into the fixed animation of certain you know, types of movement another thing is that because of the movement speed being generally slower and also meaning allowing enemies to have a comparable movement speed to you because the thing with um doom and quake is that game probably wouldn't work as well if enemies could move as fast as you could because you know they'd be zipping across in and out of your line of sight Federation Force, because your movement speed is slower, that means it's harder for you to just run away. So you're more likely to confront whatever encounters in front of you instead of just, you know, running away because you're so fast. No, you're not fast. You have to sit there and deal with it because if you try to move away from them, guess what? They're just going to come closer to you. So it keeps the interplay more um, focused. Yeah, it keeps the fighting closer. Everything is weight and commitment to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that point before, Adrian. And this is, you know, again because space and time are the central issue here. That's where the animation, that's where your surrounding environment really come into play as well. There are some levels you know, where you've got like a corridor and you've got like little areas that you can jump to at the side. So you, enemies have their certain animation, like the like the turrets. You know, they'll come out and shoot for a while, then they'll pause. And because you can see their shots from when you're behind cover, even from the first person view, like like you can still see it like in the in the corner of the viewpoint, you can move to the side, see and, and often hear, you know, they're shooting, and then move yeah. back in. And that doesn't even require any cover mechanics per se. It's just a natural consequence of the strong spatial dynamics. Yeah. And movement speed being slower doesn't you know, contrary to what some people might think, it doesn't mean that you have to do cover shooting-based gameplay. The slower movement speed of the bullets is what keeps it from needing the cover-based shooting. Because ah, yeah. you don't need those those uh, guaranteed safe spots. Instead, you're mm. pretty consistent. I mean, the, the game will give you cover at certain key moments, but most of the time you're on the open, and um, the game's able to ask you to dodge in and out of shots. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. I think you avoid that trap of shooters where you stick to cover and then pop out just to get off a few shots. And mm-hmm. and the game doesn't lend itself as easily to that, dumbing the game down to that extent. Like, yeah. that's how I get through shooters, and it's real boring, but I'm not yeah. good, so that's what I have to do. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you actually play out in the open and... I think some of the issues with cover-based shooters is that because you can't see and respond onto bullets, you can only see and respond to enemy animations for you know when they're moving into position onto shoot. You know when an enemy's you know like in Uncharted or a game like that, when an enemy's shooting, like you're just better off in cover. Like you can't actually read and respond to that, and so the gameplay is constantly stopping, 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 saying, "Look, they're shooting now, so you got to hide." stopping you know so you have to hide and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing but in federation force because everything's out in the open if you've got the skill you can avoid their shots 
you know, there's no real limit on the player, uh, especially on the high difficulties in like you know some of those cover shooter games. Like you know, playing Uncharted Two on hard mode, it's like if the enemies aren't in cover, then you are taking shots regardless <laughs> of their aim. And so it's like you just got to like stop and wait and stop and wait and stop and wait. But that's not really the case so much in Federation Force. Yeah. Not only that, but um, because enemies don't fire a constant stream, stream of bullets, they have a clear animation tell for when they do it. They're actually pretty comfortable running up to most, well, aside from the fact that a lot of enemies are also melee-based in this game. You can pretty comfortably run up to most of their faces and, and shoot a fully charged shot at them. Even the space pirates, which do shoot at you because they have that nice clear tell for when they do it. Of course, you can just run up to their face. You see them about to shoot you. You sidestep out of the way and then just blast them at point blank. Yeah. Or even actually what I love doing is like you sort of you're walking in, like you're walking on towards the pirate and they start shifting to the side and you put on your gyro, your charge is going bang. So you can predict and lead in that way. And that's really cool. (laughs) I love that feeling. And it's so great because that means you can it allows for more ways to play the game where it's like, oh, you can shoot them from afar and use the gyro, or you can get up and close, you know, know the time you use attacks. And yeah, because they're closer, that means it's easier to aim at them. Therefore, you can just use the lock-on. But that also means you understand the attacks and you being comfortable enough to know when to sidestep out of the way and blast them up from up close, and you can do that with all the other enemies. So even if you're not really using the gyro aiming, you're still playing into a pretty cool part of the game, which is that timing aspect unlike other shooters, you are able to skillfully and comfortably run up to enemies really close unlike you know, other games where if you're that close to an enemy and you don't have a melee-based takedown of, attack of some sort, uh, you're pretty much as good as dead. They're going to shoot you. Into, yeah. They're going to shoot you dead. Yeah, And it kind of, because you know, bullets are visible and they move through space and you can see and, re- you know, and read and react to them, there's a certain... Um, dynamic which is emphasized which is you know as you're saying adrian is is in your typical first person shooter game but isn't really as uh, significant you know it's kind of de-emphasized and that is that the closer you are to an enemy the less time you have to read and respond so players can scale the difficulty by their respective proximity to enemies right your distance from an enemy differentiates how much time you have to react because the shot travels through space. Yep. Correct. Yes. And so, you know, when we got to the into the end of hard mode, you know, as Adrian was saying, we were just going up and, you know, just bang, 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 like moving in close and just you know, playing <laughs> more, more, um, more assertively, right? Um, because we could. And that's similar to uh, side-scrolling um, chumps, like, uh, you know, like Gradius or something like that. If you move closer to an enemy, then you have less time to read and respond. And because, you know, like in Gradius, you can see the bullets move through the air. It's the same as Federation Force in that sense. And also, you know, it's similar to how you can move your ship to the right-hand side of the screen. So you you can get through enemies faster, but you, you know, it places more of an emphasis on you know, when and where they're going to come. Yeah. Good. I think we've, I think we've covered quite a bit there. So, were there any other comments that you guys wanted to make about the movement speed? Um, yes. So, another interesting dynamic, and I actually do think this is the correct usage of the term dynamic, is that the level of charge that you have does affect your movement speed. Oh, of course, yes. 
Yeah. So unlike in the original Metroid Prime, you get slower as you're holding on a charge. You pretty it makes it so that you're relying on the side dodge to get anywhere. Yeah. So even if you are playing to a strategy where you lock on, get as close as you can and load charge shots of them, it still makes it harder for you to dodge because your strafe speeds are slower. Mm. Yeah. Again it forces commitment. Yeah. Like it says if you want to do the strong attack, you know, there's a trade off. You know, your movement speed will be you know, will be limited. Yep. And that's a uh, you know another cool aspect of the game. So well, I guess a little bit to question of what what's with with these um that saying oh you aiming's easy and whatever it's like you still need to deal with the fact that the charge shot has those limitations with it so it's like unless you're just sitting there pepper spraying them the whole time it's like you're not really playing with that much skill you're like scraping the bottom of the skill floor and then complaining mm-hmm. that oh, the game's too easy actually not even that the i don't even know how you can say the game's too easy because it's not like yeah, we, died on third, we died on the third level in co-op, so uh, I don't know. You're saying it's too easy. I think you're full of shit. You're not meant to say that, Adrian. We didn't die very much at all. Were the <laughs> <laughs> so just to adjust the, the other question that was in this outline of if the movement speed is too slow, I would say no. I think it's well balanced so that it makes the side dash meaningful. So that it makes dodging other projectiles, you know, meaningful that you can't just zoom out of the way and so that you can keep combat to where you can never get too far away from the enemies that you're fighting. Mm. The other element, of course, is that the movement speed fits with the form, which is, you know, form fits function. That is to say that you're in a giant, unwieldy mech. It's going to move slowly. So the fiction of the game suits, you know, the nature of like the movement speed of your uh, of the mech and so on um i think we i think we've touched on a good range of points within just talking about these you know three very basic mechanics and we've also you know touched on the you know the nature of space and time as well which also very fundamental elements of federation force uh, I just wanted to ask if there were any final thoughts or things that you wanted to add that we haven't discussed so far. Greg, did you have any final thoughts? Federation Force, it's easier to hit stuff than in other first-person shooter games. I mean, because the lock-on does help, but I guess you would phrase that maybe as scaffolding where, you know, just getting into the game is a lot easier, but then you can still improve quite a bit past that. Whereas... You know, playing other first-person shooters, I kind of tend to get nowhere. I don't even get off the ground. <laughs> mm. Adrian? A little bit of what I said to that is um, I've always kind of had a bit of a, a mixed relationship with first-person shooters, uh, mainly because they include so many elements that I don't like. But Federation Force doesn't do that. This is also why I love Kid Icarus Uprising. So. Because, you know, bullets travel through space, and it makes use of that from both the players and enemies so that aiming and dodging shots is more meaningful and I enjoy this game a lot. And it's also taking generally good shooter gameplay from the prime games and making that more of a focus. And yeah. yeah, I think it was really fantastic how they were able to take the established framework of Metroid Prime and to just through the gyro, through their focus on, you know, space timing, leading your shots. Uh, they were really able to explore a different 
area within a pretty similar design space. So um, it, it really does stand alone within the Prime series in that regard. It'd be nice to have a game like this, but balanced for one player instead of band-aided for one player. Uh, I have to see about that. I mean, stuff like the cart level would suck in one player. Oh, yeah. Okay. There are specific <laughs> missions that are definitely hampered. This sounds like another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we've still got a lot to talk about. So as I said at the start, this will probably be a series of different podcasts. I'd just like to conclude by saying that I think that the design of the shooting, aiming, and movement functions of Federation Force, I think what they do is you know they really reinforce a, like a clean design, you know, so you can see what's happening in the game. You can read and respond onto what's happening. And I think that that's very helpful in a game like this where you're cooperating with, with other players because it allows you to be able to stay in tune with what other people are doing. And often, you know, and um, I'm sure the two of you can attest to this as well, as I was playing a mission, I'd see Adrian in the corner was doing this and and so I always knew where he was and knew what was going on. And if he wasn't on screen or if I couldn't see his shots or if we weren't talking over Google Chat, um, oh, sorry, uh, Hangouts, then I could look at the mini-map, you know. So all of these elements, you know, really create this clean gameplay. And that's the thing that I really enjoy about this game. So thank you once again, uh, Adrian and Greg. And um, we, yeah. will, we will be back. The Federation Force... I'll see you next mission. All music in this podcast was from Metroid Prime Federation Force. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.